Do a couple more and I'll just edit. Uh, do, a, do a few and then I'll just select which one is closest to the one when I research how to pronounce it. I couldn't really put it better than Sogyal Rinpoche. I couldn't really put it better than Sogyal Rinpoche. <laughs> I couldn't really put it better than this uh, Buddhist monk and scholar um, whose name I'm afraid I haven't got in my notes, but... <laughs> like Hi everyone and welcome back to Secular Buddhism for Skeptical Atheists. This is the podcast for people of all backgrounds who just want to take aspects of modern Buddhism, put them into their own lives and make things a little bit better for them and those around them. My name is Mike Hoffman. And my name is Dougie Robertson. Oh, welcome Dougie Robertson, introducing Hello. himself. Hello. I know. See I know. how the training wheels have been removed. Oh, I know, I'm a pro now, I'm a pro. <laughs> uh, so, you ready for death? Yeah, so ready, so ready. Okay. I mean, am I? I don't know. That's a big question. You've you've opened with a big question. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we're not necessarily settling on you just being ready, because then there would be no point in the podcast, <laughs> yeah. right? And then the yeah. lovely people would not <laughs> be able to learn anything for themselves. Yeah, that'd be pretty dull. We um we call this the podcast for people who want to make life a little bit better, and I think one of the biggest times when people feel like they could use some divine intervention or what you and I, Dougie, probably see as our own personal interventions, mm, our mm, inner light, you mm, know, yeah. uh, is around the subject of death. How do you feel about death? How does it make you feel? So that's a really interesting question, which I would like to reply to with a question. Oh, God. Uh, I know. Um, when you think about death, do you think about your own death or do you think about or do you find yourself thinking about the death of other people? Um, most of the time I think about myself. Interesting. Me too. Okay. <laughs> and because I think uh, maybe it's a generational thing, but like we have increasingly more and more pressure, especially from like millennials onwards to mm. um, perform by being at the most fulfilled potential version of ourselves. You achieve. Know, we're, yes, we're, we're told that we can achieve anything. We can be whoever we want to be. Mm. And so uh, I think for a lot of us, the idea of not having done that before death mm. Mm-hmm. is quite a, a, uh, a scary thing. Uh, shit, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't mean to bring something out in you there. Oh, yeah, that is quite, yeah. That's quite overwhelming if you dwell on it too much. Yeah, and it's not to say that it's, you know, I've, I'm people of all ages from since time immemorial have gone through that, but I think there's a lot less of an idea now that you are uh, kind of join your career path and then you're on there in a trade mm-hmm. for the rest of your life until you retire. You get a gold watch, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's not so much our story anymore. No, no. Does death scare you? Like your own death, does that scare you? So it's it's funny because it's very easy. So my answer to that question would be no, but right. I don't actually know. Right? Like if, if someone said to me, you're going to die tomorrow, mm-hmm. I, I'd want to know more. I'd want to know how. <laughs> oh, right. Weird. Okay. I'd want to know Why how. Why would you want to know more? Well, I'd want to know how I was going to die. I think I'm more, I'm, I'm probably a bit more nervous about the process of dying mm. than the idea of being dead. Um, okay. Am I going to be uncomfortable? Will I, yeah. Am I going to be miserable for the the final few? Will I, you know, will I have my sanity? Will I, uh-huh. will I be a burden on people around me? Okay. That so is that more about other people than it is for yourself? Do you think? Because you didn't mention pain or like your uh, own suffering. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose my yeah, I would be chiefly preoccupied with thinking about what 
the impact on other people around me would be like during the process and after the process of me dying mm. um, it's not something i spend loads of time contemplating but i'm already getting to a bit of an administrative i'm kind of administrating it in my head now <laughs> like as we're talking about it, i'm thinking well i need to write my will and yeah. i need a funeral plan and where would i be buried and uh -huh. that kind of thing mm. so maybe that's how i deal with the idea <laughs> it's funny um on a similar note i most of my life have not been particularly afraid of death i think it's something that's pre-built into us because it makes sense mm. you want to be self-preservationist that doesn't help you in those times when you're like out foraging in the woods and stuff trying not to eat the wrong berries or yeah. or just crossing the road i yeah. mean every time well, we cross the road we make a relatively unconscious decision to not die today you know okay. i'm gonna wait for that car because i don't really feel like dying go ahead and be more re relatable than me thank you sorry um <laughs> but I, I at some point in my teenage years, I think around the time when I started getting into Buddhism, uh, a switch flipped in me, and I wasn't so worried about my own death anymore. Mm. But then, in recent years, for the first time in a long time, I started getting afraid when flying. So flying, interesting. Only when I was taking off and okay. landing. Okay. Right. So once you're up there, really far away from the earth, it's it's all fine. <laughs> Well, see, it's not to do with the actual act of flying, and it's not to do with um, actually thinking that something was going to happen. But I think maybe during takeoff, for me, that was when the irrational thoughts of, oh, something bad could happen here, were more um, apt to pop their heads up. But it wasn't because of me. It was because I was in a committed relationship at the time, and I was worried about leaving this other person wow. behind, wow. sad and distraught without me. Um, and so it's funny that that's similar to what you're describing. It really was more about other people than myself. Do you think about your own death a lot? I mean, we're thinking about, we're visualizing, we're thinking about if we died, you know, that sort of thing. But mm -hmm. is it something you think about every day or, you know, once? A, I mean, how often, let's, and not to be glib about it, but how often do you think about your own death? Well, let me answer your question with a question. No, <laughs> let me just... Let me, I mean, you may. You may do that. I, I feel, yeah, okay. um, when you say thinking about your own death, what kind of thing are you picturing? Like ruminating like fearfully about death or just... Oh, no. I mean more... I'm more reminding yourself that one day you will die. Um, occasionally. Or being reminded of the fact that one day you will die. I don't... I try to bear my mortality in mind. I think it's important mm. to help keep things in perspective but mm. honestly quite often for me it doesn't factor into things too much mm. because like i have been accused by people of not being of of being too kind of forward thinking about the future and not like air quotes <laughs> living in the present moment i think i do live in the present moment but it's mm. you know a healthy I, balance, i'm a project though. manager like that's how my brain yeah. works i'm thinking three or four steps ahead sure um do you have a funeral plan but no, I, th this is okay. what I was going to say. Like For me, death is something that is going to happen and I won't be around here to... Unless, unless I make plans to be a ghost. Interesting. I won't be around to see what the consequences are of me not being here anymore. Unless you're a ghost. Yeah. You know, ev everything that we said in the previous episode still stands. I still try and mm. like live a good life so that I can... The people I'm happy in the moment because the people around me are happy, and mm. I'm creating a nice atmosphere to be happy in. But I don't. Um, I'm not doing that with like a forward thought to whether when I die I will have taken all the right steps up to that moment. Because in f in my head, mm. at that point I'm dead. Mm. 
Oh, yes, I suppose. Yes, you are. Is that quite callous? Is that how... No. I, I don't know if that's how people are thinking these days. What do you... What, how do you feel about it? I mean, I go through phases, but I suppose for me, what I, what I tend to come back to is the idea that when I'm in the moment, when I'm doing something, when I'm with someone, this could be the last time that I'm with this mm. person. This could be the last time that... And it will be the last time that I'm in this particular moment. Like regardless of me dying, but mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know it sounds maybe it sounds a bit meta, but obviously you know I'm young. I'm in my early thirties. I mean I'm thirty, um, relatively You're healthy. In your thirty, I'm in my thirty exactly, um, on the cusp of youth still, and I'm <laughs> the other cusp, <laughs> <laughs> the one where you fall off. Um, but you know, you know, I'm You're I, on the crust I, of youth. I don't want to sound like I'm planning to die or like that I'm look, particularly looking forward to dying or anything like that. But it's possible, it's statistically unlikely, but possible that I could, I could be under a bus after this recording. It would, okay. it would lend the podcast a certain macabre sort of, um, or maybe very sort of, you know. I think it would be like a nice way to wrap up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Douglas left, and this is, this is his, this is it. And we all moved on. But I would be... Asterisk. But I'd rather that than me not doing a... Because doing a podcast was something I was a bit scared of. Yeah. Um, very oh, scared really? of. Yeah, because like, I'm not a talker. I'm a writer. Right? I'm not a talker. Okay. I, I write things down, and then I read them, then I move them around until they're really clever, and then I share them with people. Yeah. Whereas this process, you get to hear everything that I say, and then you move it around and make it sound clever. Right. Which is, very, which is a very different process. You're welcome. Uh, pleasure. <laughs> um, no, thank you. I mean... <laughs> But <laughs> case in point <laughs> exactly but the thing is i was like well when will this opportunity next come mm. do what scares you and you know i could be dead next year but so i think for me it's something that factors it factors into my decision making and it pulls me back into the moment i would say mm. i'm not saying that every time i'm trying to be mindful i think you might die so be mindful i wouldn't say it's as simple as that but sometimes if i'm if I'm having difficulty being mindful, maybe I'm a bit angry because of something, something really stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it can be very a great source of kind of perspective. Oh, okay, so you're like storming around through the gym because it's still January and people yes. are in your way, and then oh. you go, "Oh, but I yeah. might die." Yes, and does it <laughs> so, really matter? Yeah. And, oh, I, in the grand scheme of things, yes. is it all right if I give this guy another five minutes on the bench? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this morning, I'm not sure whether I ended up consciously thinking about death, but it was very busy. And this is February. <laughs> it shouldn't be busy now. But there, all the mats were free. No, all the mats were full. They looked full to me. It was completely full. And then I took a breath and I looked properly. And there was a, there were two free ones down at the end. Oh, wow. Which is kind of interesting, right? You were almost a reactive fool for a minute, but you exactly. chose not to be. I chose not to be a reactive fool. I was a responsive fool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still a fool. Oh, because death was hanging right over your shoulder. So, but let me tell you, when I said I don't know if people are are thinking along the same lines as you and I, Mm. I was at a dinner party a few weeks ago where I was saying, I I think I was telling the story about being, becoming afraid of flying Mm. and then getting over that again. And um, my friend essentially tried to kind of call me out on bullshit and say, no, everyone's afraid of death. Everyone's afraid of death. And I think that was kind of the consensus. And the, there was only the one guy that was quite so forceful about it. Mm. But the consensus in the room was sort of, yeah, no, I think it's normal to be afraid of death. But I'm not trying to conflate it with like not being preservationist. Like if I'm going to put myself, I'm not going to put myself in 
dangerous scenarios. It's not like, oh, death, that sounds great. I'm going to seek that out. It's not that at all. Yeah. I, even I, I fall a little bit more on the cautious end of the spectrum. There's a, mm. uh, there's a virus going around right now. And you oh know that I've been overly cautious about, well, I've been very aware and trying yes. to do my bit mm-hmm. for it mm-hmm. for weeks now. Whereas mm. it's, it's just starting to be something really, I think, in the last couple of days that people are properly talking about. It's arrived on the UK now. Yes. So <laughs> now, now we care. Whereas it's probably been here for a couple of weeks and we're going to find At out least. about it like next week. Yep. Um, but that's interesting that your friend, like when you talk to people about it, that that's the general response. I mean, I can relate to that. Yeah. Um, I mean, even I was talking a bit to Paul about this, and yeah, he it isn't something that he enjoys talking about. Hmm. It doesn't. It's not not even that he doesn't enjoy it, but it's something he wants to move on from conversationally. Yeah. Which is in stark contrast to my my Japanese friend, who actually I was there. I was in Tokyo last November. Right. And. I Paul had gone home and it was just me there by myself for a couple of weeks and I was working but I was also seeing my friends a bit mm-hmm. and my best Japanese friend um, Natsuho suggested that I came with her and her mum and her aunt to visit their family grave Right, and we went and it was an amazing experience one of the most amazing experiences I've had in Japan you know there was incense and it was a graveyard but at the same time you could I mean Natsuho, <laughs> Natsuho turned to me and she said I'll be in there one day I'm paraphrasing because she was speaking Japanese. Right. But that was the, that was the gist. And, and then she looked over at her mum and said, oh, yeah, but she'll be in first kind of thing. <laughs> um, and it wasn't, it wasn't flippant. Maybe I've made it sound flippant. It wasn't flippant, but it was very direct and very real. And I, I, I spoke to her a bit about this because she, she was here last week and I was talking to her a bit about this episode. And, and I said, it feels as though for you, death is just a sort of, <laughs> not to quote Yoda, but a natural part of life. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Yoda is actually quoting Buddhism there, so I feel it's an okay, okay. reference. Uh-huh. Um, and she said, yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of foolhardy to try and convince yourself of anything else, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's very logical, but I think we actually struggle with quite a lot in, in our, maybe in our culture, in areas of our culture. Definitely. It's certainly become a taboo in Western um, sort of British and mm. a, a lot of American culture. Yeah. I mean, people use a good word actually for that. Yeah, people do want to move on from it. I mean, you're saying so you've but you've attributed it in your notes to uh, Yoda, but also kind of just a, a Buddhist perspective. Death is a natural mm. part of life, but isn't it weird to think that it's a little bit of an out there thought to say? Oh yeah, death is a natural part of life. Controversial. When we can say that literally, death is the one thing that's going to happen to all of us. The one thing I can't. Is there anything else that you can guarantee is going to happen in someone's life? Uh, Don't say taxes. Suffering. (laughs) Yeah, suffer. Oh, sorry. Be the good Buddhist. (laughs) Suffering, suffering, and death. Whoa. But But people. (laughs) I mean, all of that is true. When when you talk about it, though, people say it's very morbid. Yeah, I mean, or macabre, or yeah, yeah. Why I, would you spend time talking about that? Why would you spend time thinking about that? Aha, uh-huh. and I, it's been something that I've thought about seriously over the last fifteen years since mm. um, com- coming into Buddhism and being awakened to the idea that death is just a normal thing to not be feared, and mm. talking to people about the fact that I don't know when i'm going to die and like as an extension of that like i i don't see i don't see 
like death as being the milestone by which you need to have like been a good person for a sort of arbitrary reason. Mm. And like, if you feel that there's not, this is me taking a relatively secular perspective, but you know, I don't know any of the facts about post death, but for me, I'm just currently looking at this life and that's it. Mm -hmm. So my meaning of life is right here and, and right now. And so death doesn't really factor into that. And I think people often find that quite, um, you know, it gives them a, a sense of hope to think about the now and the mm. beyond death. Sure. But that makes the thinking about the death itself a really scary thing. And mm. so in the UK, we don't really do open casket anymore because no. we don't like to see the dead person yeah. at a funeral. Yes. You know, and that's that is a reaction against the facts about death that we actually do know. You said you don't know any facts about what happens after we die. Actually, we do know all the physical facts about what happens yeah. after mm -hmm. we die. Um, which reminds me of when I was doing my research for this episode. There's a form of Buddhist meditation um, that some schools of Buddhism teach called Maranasati. Okay, and that it's is really pronounced. Um, please send us a message if if it wasn't, and it's called mindfulness of death or death awareness um, which even like as we're talking in this buddhist podcast context to me sounds a bit ooh, a bit macabre um but it's quite interesting and there are some monasteries such as what's the one they mentioned here wat pa nana chat and they will literally have human skeletons on display in the meditation hall right because that's a very physical real representation of what you know, you're literally staring death in the face, albeit someone else's death. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but I found that quite challenging. Like, and I'm someone who thinks about my own death quite a lot. But the idea of sitting there looking at, at this skeleton and thinking about it, that's, that is quite challenging to me. Well, I think as Brits, as with a lot of the people listening to this podcast, we're removed from the concept of death. Mm. We don't see dead people we don't i mean it, it used to be just around 100 years ago so common less than that even so common in the uk to have um after someone after a family member had died for them to still be kept in the house for mm. a couple of days before being taken away for for the most part i think that sort of thing is getting rarer Definitely. we don't have the opportunity to get accustomed to the fact that we lose people. They're just kind of mm. here mm. and then they're not. Yes. We don't talk too much around the details. And then there are there are a lot of euphemisms yes. as well. Yeah, yeah. So something I don't know if it's it definitely wasn't an explicit decision between us, but we've both been using the word death mm. a lot mm. so far in the episode yes. because that's the direct thing that we're talking sure. about, right? Yeah. It's not euphemistic. But do would you say the majority of people that you know that have lost someone in their lives describe it? You know, I mean, do they come in and say, "Oh, uh, my family member died, my friend friend died," or when you're you know when you're talking sensitively mm. about your friend, are you saying their person passed or moved on, passed away? Maybe. I mean, if away, I were talking about the left death, us, it's yeah. no longer with us. Yeah, kick the bucket. Ooh, probably not that no. one. No. <laughs> But I think, yeah, if I, was, if I were talking, I suppose if you're trying to talk lightly about your own death, we would culturally say something like kick the bucket, I think. I think that's where right. those idioms lie. Mm -hmm. If I were talking to someone who I knew had suffered a bereavement uh, recently, 
I definitely wouldn't use any ver- any words around death. I would say mm. um, passed away, probably. Or I'd, I'd, ideally, I would construct my sentences in such a way that I could make. I had no requirement to make any allusion to the death whatsoever because it would be kind of implicitly understood. You know, when someone comes back to work and they've been off for a couple of weeks because you know that their father passed away or that sort of thing, invariably you already know. And if anything, we talk about anything but that, thinking about it. Interesting. But do you think that has an element of Voldemorting it, you know? Uh, He he must not be named. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, maybe it does. I think I would tend to anticipate that the other party wouldn't want to talk about it. But at the same time, if they did want to talk about it, I'd be happy to, but I'd let them sort of initiate it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think when it comes to actual conversations around the subject matter, it's it's tough. I mean, like with everything that we've talked about, there's no one right way mm. to do things. But at the same time, in a sense, our, we've been culturally stifled around the subject to the point where we sometimes won't actually speak to someone that we care about specifically about the thing that we know that they're struggling with because uh it's an uncomfortable subject yes and we're not comfortable with seeing one another upset and i you know i when i'm picturing this i'm not picturing going up to someone and and sort of barraging them with either your ideas about this or like questions about circumstances or whatever but literally just i mean i think there are people in all of our lives that we've Mm. known to a greater or lesser extent that we've we had the opportunity to just kind of say are you okay and i'm here for you but it's maybe it's maybe i'm just sensing an overly british thing in in this country and in this city but you quite often see people just go oh i'll just yeah i'll just leave it Avoid, yeah, leave it. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting. We've veered, we've veered, well, we're not veered, we've artfully segued from thoughts around our own death to thoughts around and culture around death of others. Mm-hmm. And I think they are the way we, tr- the way we're sort of a bit more able to talk about our own deaths on our own terms. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about the deaths of other people and the deaths of maybe a bereavement of a, uh, a friend is going through that sort of thing, I'd tend to be a lot more cautious. Well, let's tie it all in together. Like why death for our own perspective and for other people? I mean, you've got a quote here. Why do Buddhists care about death as a concept? So it's just, I really like this quote, so I'm just going to read it out. When we finally know we are dying and all other beings are dying with us, we start to have a burning, almost heartbreaking sense of the fragility and preciousness of each moment and each being. And from this can grow a deep, clear limitless compassion for all beings okay which is well in the gym looking for mats well yes actually yeah Yeah. (laughs) in those moments where you're like oh i wish this you know this woman with her two screaming children in front of me would get out of my way because i want to be five minutes earlier to work for instance (laughs) (laughs) Uh, if you have that thought then and i mean it extends to much wider much more kind of profound and much much broader circumstances that you'll encounter in life. But I think it's a really good, good thing to check in with. Mm. And yeah, I mean, I couldn't have put, I couldn't put it better than this, than Sogyal Rinpoche. So it's funny really that we um, have this kind of sterilization these days of death. You know, we talk about mm. things in either like very euphemistic terms or clinical terms. It when, starts with language, doesn't it? Yeah. Whereas our good mate, Sogyal is um, Sogyal 
Podge is um very good. <laughs> is saying we are all going to die, and we're mm. all kind of we're all dying all the time. We're together in this. Mm. We sort of have it in common. It's quite nice when you think about it like that. Yeah, we put in the episode title that this is about death and how to. What did we say? How to move on? How to move on? Asterisk. asterisk right. Interesting asterisk. Um, because. I think I originally was the one that was saying it would be interesting to talk about how to move on and mm. you were saying that same friend was saying that it's not something that you really move on from. Is that right? Mm. We talk about moving on. We do. Guess, we hear it all the time, right? Like, oh, you know, haven't moved on yet. Or, oh, it's time to move on. Yeah. It's been a year. It's been a year. Like, like. So now you have to cram exactly. it down into your pocket. And... Exactly. Arbitrarily. <laughs> 365 days. Okay, I understand. But 366 days have passed. You know, you're into year two. Mm-hmm. Should all be fine. Should yeah, have moved it's been on. been a bit long. No. Yeah. But really, it's. We arbitrarily describe the intense period of going through the pain of the suffering of losing someone as grief, I guess, or the process of mourning. Mm. But. Nothing in life is really this linear process. Like even if you if you suffer from an illness and your body gets over it, in air quotes, mm. you could arbitrarily call the week and a half that you were quite ill because it was a bad one mm. as <laughs> your illness. Mm. But did you actually have that from a couple of days before? Uh, when did it really start? Mm. And then. Once you've got well, is your body not actually still carrying antibodies mm. around? What's it left? What's it left behind? What's it left behind? Um, the giving things certain time windows and giving them names like grief or like mourning, like moving on, does become a little bit arbitrary when you think that nothing in life is sort of linear like that. We're all just we're all in a state of permanent change all the time. Mm. And when you lose someone it's a big change. in your life, it's a change. Mm. Um, but it's part of that process. It's, it's, uh, it's an event happening to you, yeah. something that changes who you are forever. And you never really get over it. Mm. You never really move on. Yes. The way that you deal with it just changes over time, constantly, forever, mm. for the rest of your life. Yeah. And that's why we have our asterisk, right? Yes, exactly. I mean, there's a really practical air to this as well. The, the article I was reading earlier talks a lot about how when someone dies, you get you get this flood of flowers, right? You get loads of flowers, you get loads of cards. Mm. Everyone rallies around. Mm-hmm. People bring around casseroles, you know, you get I mean, a funeral, you get your buffet and all that. Yeah, and you're like, I'm already crying so much and I'm allergic to flowers and lactose. <laughs> yeah. This is a terrible week for me. Yes, but I mean, people are people are expressing... People are trying to help and people are trying to be there for you in that time. Yeah. But but then they all go home and the flowers stop. And mm. you it's that period then when people maybe would benefit more from you being there. Mm-hmm. But we sort of leave people to work it out for themselves and then check in with them maybe at a party, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, I think that is in a way a symptom of our our process of dealing with death is sort of we do the funeral, put them in the ground have a buffet and then and then that's sort of it for everyone apart from the actual bereaved people mm-hmm. the, you know the sort of the close family everyone's bereaved to an extent mm-hmm. and that family unit sort of disintegrates and goes away and i think also it's interesting so the when i went to my friend's family grave in tokyo yeah 
it was a family grave and they go every month to clean the grave to light some incense that kind of thing and i was trying to explain to her that we don't tend to have i mean i'm sure there are families who have graves or mausoleums and things like that but that's mm -hmm. definitely not the norm but it's certainly not the norm in my family experience mm -hmm. people have either it's ends. there but it's not like a the done thing for mm. 99 and 100 people yes and then on top of that it's definitely well it's not my experience that we would regularly visit the family grave every month as a family that's just completely pretty alien to me actually right we're sort of touching base with our deceased relatives every every month it's very different uh-huh you know, we have the funeral, put them in the ground. Maybe we go back, but probably we don't. Maybe mm -hmm. if it's a really close family, you know, a husband and a wife, maybe they might go back. But that's sort of where it ends, I think. We don't mm -hmm. revisit the, we don't revisit them. We sort of just, we <laughs> we move on physically. Mm -hmm. We just go back to our lives and go back to work. And mm -hmm. People help you out for a week or so or however mm -hmm. long that, that is in your particular circumstance. But then they're they're moving on in a sense, because their experience of that loss, mm. they're still experiencing, even if it's just vicariously through you in a, in a lot of cases, and they're they're yeah. being there to help and show their support. But just like how it is an event that's happened in your life, it's one that's happened in theirs as well, but their experience of that is most acute, only for a really short period of time. And that doesn't mean that yours should be short like that as well. You're experiencing it very differently. But um, yeah, in this Western world now, you're right. We tend to think of this period of moving on. Maybe it's a few months, maybe it's a year mm. if it was someone really close to you, but then you're expected to have moved on. But just like, like you've done it now, you've done it. Yeah. You know. Just like those people where their support has tapered off over time because their experience of the event has tapered off or the intensity of their experience of the event has tapered off over time yours will as well and just personal factors your own personality your connection with the person your relationship with death overall all yeah. of these have an effect on how you in air quotes move on yeah. uh, so why don't we talk about tools that we can pull from buddhism then none of these are going to be brand new to anyone listening to this because it's all Buddhism comes back to these fundamentals over and over. But how can people help themselves in this kind of difficult time, whether it's uh, the loss of someone else or accepting their own mortality? Yeah. The first thing to remember is that there's no sort of one correct way. Mm. I think everyone's different. Some people might find it quite interesting to think about their own death quite a lot. Some people might find that quite challenging. And that's also okay. That's not a bad thing someone dies it probably is going to be difficult and you should probably expect that like that you just have to sort of accept that it is probably going to be difficult and that's okay and in terms of what are you actually doing to move on when there is no one right way to deal with it what buddhism does give us is this mental checklist of am i acting in a way that i can be okay with and I can make my peace with knowing I'm trying to do the right thing for myself and for those around me. And that is the, the Eightfold, eightfold path. path. Yeah, exactly. So knowing, am I acting in the right way? Am I saying things that are going to be hurtful to myself or to other people? Am I doing things for the right reason? Or am I doing them because I'm hurt or because I'm trying to get something from the situation? And am I gaining perspective on the situation around me so am i like am i taking am i just viscerally rawly 
experiencing this situation that I'm in or am I trying to take a step back and putting in the effort to try and take a step back and think about why I'm feeling the way that I'm thinking. And that's so, hard to do, right? That's hard to do when you're in that kind of situation, which is why why I think it's probably quite important to do it when you know, when everything is going swimmingly. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if we've talked about the idea of mindfulness being a bit like going to the gym. I don't know if we mentioned Yeah, we, well, I yes, think we definitely. It was a great episode. Yeah, let was, me tell you. Oh, I hope you liked it, guys. Um, but... But that's kind of the point of that. It's not, okay, I'm going to be really reactive and then loads of awful things happen in my life that I find really difficult to process. So I'm going to suddenly be really mindful. Mm-hmm. It's sort of not like that. It's more about creating this tool set mm-hmm. and this frame of reference, a way of thinking about what you're doing and a way of observing, and thinking about what you're thinking, that in these kind of scenarios, you can. it's harder, but you can still use Definitely. And it's not to, um, I think it can sound quite abstract to say, use the Eightfold Path sure, to um, figure out how to get over your own grief. I'm not really so much saying that as much as use the Eightfold Path to try and avoid causing yourself more suffering. Because it can be really hard to, having gone through a relatively recent bereavement myself, it can be hard to get a uh, put a spirit level on your actions like am i being balanced in the way that i'm reacting to this am i i mean there there were one or two examples all coming from people trying to to do the right thing um but you know members of of my family kind of um let's say experiencing some tension like around the funeral and um the eightfold path there would be saying am i am i doing my best to try and understand the perspective of where others come from you know things like that um so don't try and like figure out a rule book for your own grief but just day by day you can use the eightfold path to figure out in the moment are you doing what you can to kind of look after yourself and those around you yeah and so if you want more of a refresher on that do go back listen to that episode it was it was a really fun one to go through i think it's important to remind people that sometimes if you're in the moment if like that it can be completely overwhelming and you won't be able to think about the eightfold path at all no but God, that's yeah that's no, also course. okay um but, but really the just notice that you're not thinking about it and then maybe have a think about it yeah and you know when, when you say have a think about it don't you don't need to carry around this checklist with you. But it's not just like tablets, really... right? It's not like tablets with these <laughs> things etched on. The, it's more the shorthand is just: Am I trying? Am I doing my best? Am I yeah. trying to do that? And not like, oh, I'm doing my best, as in all my energy is drained, so I'm just not doing anything. More like, am I? Can I justify to myself? Mm. And am I being kind to myself? Yeah. And other area that Buddhism lends to us are the four noble truths, mm. and particularly we called out in our notes here rumination because we know that suffering is going to happen to everyone yeah but it's easy in moments like this especially the loss of a very close loved one or seeing someone that is unwell and it's looking like it's going in in that direction to say to go to say why me yes why us why them yeah and oh i think you know maybe in a couple of weeks they might be gone, that sort of thing. We can think a lot, right? And those thoughts can often cause us to suffer mm-hmm. quite a lot. And so 
if you remember in our rumination episode, we talked about rumination being where you are going over that thought again and again and again without really dealing with where the thought is coming from. Or questioning it. Yes, exactly. So figuring out why am I coming back to that? I mean, obviously, well, I say obviously, on the surface, it can appear obvious. I'm losing someone. That's painful. But why is that painful? That's an opportunity for you to really think about what that person meant to you and how your life is going to be changing through their loss. And, and if they're still there, then it reminds you that they're still there. And, yeah. You know, they haven't, if they're still with you, then that's the thing to focus on. But ultimately, at some point, um, we will all lose those closest to us and those those around us. And it's going to be a, a painful process to really confront why that loss is difficult. But it's a it's a the four noble truths in that way give us a real reminder that it's a healthy and proactive thing really to to confront why this is a sad moment. Of mm. course it is sad. But what does it mean to you? How is your life changing? Because the suffering of the change is going to be there. Remember those those two types of suffering at the beginning, the mm. suffering of suffering so feeling that visceral impact and then the suffering of change that's knowing that your life is never going to be the same again Mm. but the suffering caused by not accepting accepting it basically is the one that you're able to avoid through some work so that's the four noble truths yeah through some work is important there i think it's doing a lot of heavy lifting in that sentence like it is it's important right like even if you understand that you need to accept that someone's gone Mm. That can be quite a journey. And also, I mean, sometimes that looks different for different people. You can sort of, you can accept that someone's gone whilst also talking to them every other day when you like doing the washing. Mm-hmm. So that's quite a common thing that people do, right? Yeah. No matter to their, someone who's been dead for a long time. Mm-hmm. Stuff like, you know, that's fine. That's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Another thing to think about, I think it's quite interesting to think about karma, which if you'll remember is about action and the, the effect of action through the... If I do something, something will happen. Exactly, exactly. And that's it. It's not if I do this thing, then something nice will happen to me or yeah. something bad will happen to me. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not the rule of three. That was your description. I think, And my description was something like karma being the way that my actions can improve, can potentially improve or downgrade the environment around me. Mm. So there's bigger or lower potential for Mm. good things to happen Mm. to me is that like uh, the the nicest visual metaphor i come across is the kind of stone in the water effect right right? Uh dropping stones in the water and all the ripples move out we can control what stone we throw where we throw it and that's sort of it we can't control the other ripples that are coming to mess with our ripples you know yeah when you're in if you're going through and we're not we are now talking really about the deaths of others rather than the death our own death when people are going through bereavement, I think empathy can be quite a powerful tool in trying to understand what they're doing and why they're doing it and what they're saying. Or not even understand that, but remember the context in which they are maybe saying and doing things that seem maybe out of character. Seem mm-hmm. People can be all over the place when things like this are happening. Um, and just remembering not to react to that. I don't know about you, but in my experience, often when there's been a bereavement, family tensions can run quite high mm. and people can get quite angry, mm-hmm. quite... There's a lot of to and fro, quite angry twos and fro's can sometimes Everyone's happen. Everyone's in an emotional state. Mm. And often those emotions are just bouncing around in quite a reactive reactive way. And I think... Their capacity for empathy may be lower. 
Yes, understandably. Yeah. Um, but if you feel if you're someone who does have the capacity, then it can be quite it can be quite a good opportunity to take conscious control of your actions. I mean, that's all it is. But taking conscious control of your actions, just taking conscious control of your actions rather than being part of this vicious, reactive feedback loop of anger, regardless of whether or not it's understandable that everyone's angry and stressed. Mm-hmm. If you are able to take conscious control of your actions, I think it's a particularly, it's one of, it's one of those situations where it can be quite a powerful tool. I wrote here that if you can be there for others in hard times, they'll be there for you. I should maybe adjust that to to being that it's potentially they'll be there for you. There's karma that we're talking about after all. But that's um if you know in Buddhism technically you're not supposed to go by motivation, but uh if there was ever motivation for being a good person, it's kind of my motivation mm. is to make a nice world around you where mm. people are happy and people trust you and people know that you give them support when they need it. So they want to be there for you in the hard times. All of that was about how to deal with the death of other people. Mm. I suppose we've kind of addressed accepting your own death quite early on in the episode. Mm. And that really comes back to the idea that death is a natural part of life. Thank you, Yoda. <laughs> and I'm sure he stole that from somewhere. <laughs> and the Four Noble Truths. That is not George Lucas. Uh, you um, can spend your life being afraid of the fact that you're going to die and never dealing with it and never letting that be a motivator to do the things that you want to do and to be a good person in the moment for mm. the sake of being a good person. Or you can address that and think, okay, how does that make me feel about the present moment? Am I living my life in a way where if I did die tomorrow, because it's fully possible that that could happen, mm. ha- am I happy with who I've been up to this point? And if not, what can I do right now to start changing that? So at least this final day on earth was a good day to end on and I can be proud Mm. of myself. Yeah. And that really is my motivator for everything in life. When I'm ever having a bad moment or I'm kind of getting overwhelmed at the scale of life, Mm. I just take a look back. Or you remember my example from a couple episodes ago of being overwhelmed by not knowing where my life was going yes if i was doing the right thing for me in that moment i just take a step back and i say well if i did die tomorrow Mm. am i proud of what i've done with myself so far Mm. and am i still doing things now that keep me on a path to being able to be proud every day yeah that has helped me out so far Mm. it's a good reference point i think hmm I suppose I've just answered your question about do I think about my own death with yeah. a completely different answer from the one <laughs> uh, I gave you at the start of the episode. I mean, they're not mutually exclusive. What do you want people to take away from this episode, do you think? What do you... Some people might be sitting out there thinking, oh, well, you know, you're all in your 30s and you've obviously you're not scared of dying because you dying is such a distant, faraway thing. And I would just say harsh but true. It's mm. not necessarily a distant, faraway thing. I think... Mm. The magical thinking that we are all untouchable Mm -hmm. is something that all people get. I think it's what makes humans so aspirational Mm. and makes people take these daring attempts at unconventional things that push society forward. Mm. But it can also be the cause of quite a lot of suffering. So ultimately, what do I want people to take away This is going to be one of our harsher sounding takeaways that we've delivered. But deliver it. Basically, 
you are going to die and you're probably going to experience quite a lot of death around you as well mm. yeah that is a lot to process isn't it but it's, it's a, so true it's a lot so but it's very true and that's a scary idea and it's going to be sad definitely it's going to be difficult definitely and i have so much empathy for you but you can start now making that easier by accepting that mm. and using the four noble truths be aware that suffering will happen but if you can take the step now to be ready to accept when the time comes mm. you'll be able to avoid quite a significant chunk of that suffering yeah. there's no one right way to deal with grief mm. but it is okay to accept the loss of a loved one the potential loss of yourself i think the one thing i'd add to that is that if you if you are really scared of dying and you hear us saying oh you should just accept that you're going to die and that sounds completely alien to you that's fine maybe just start by accepting the fact that you are scared of dying right just start there mm -hmm. yeah and then think about why why mm -hmm. be mindful take a step back and mm. where does that thought come from it's just being sensitive to that fact i mean some people know that they are potentially closer to it than other people yeah but but just because you don't think you're close to it doesn't mean they aren't wrap up there yes i think that's a good note to end on we're all dying wow that's big yeah but it's okay it's normal it's the most normal thing in the world mm. So, socials, you can catch either of us on the Twitters and Instagrams of the world. I am at OMG Mike Hoffman. Yes, and I am D0UG7A5. And if you want to send us through any questions about the show or about Buddhism or about ourselves, AMA, lol, um, we are going to do an episode all about your questions and all about our answers to those questions. Yes, I'm looking forward to that one. So send them through. We're going to do it through the power of technology yes. remotely because yes. we'll be living in different cities. That's so exciting. Point. Yes. <laughs> so guys, yes, I cannot wait to be hundreds of miles <laughs> away from you. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, you can also message me on TikTok, by the way. I installed that today. Feel, oh. feeling really young thanks for joining us on this process yes, we've really enjoyed you. it I think I've learned a lot and cemented in a few ideas that I've had over the years what about you? yeah same I think I've talked a lot about things I've only until now thought about that's been really interesting and it's a good dialogue to have it's a conversation that the world needs more of so please like I said in the very first episode if you enjoyed this series then tell just one person get just one friend who's going to be your your most sort of open to this person in your life about it get them listening because if they do the same then we reach the whole world and that's how viral topical It'll be a podcast pandemic yeah so that's how we're going to do it crowd sort crowd power crowd science yeah i mean <laughs> i mean word of mouth word of mouth oh well that's what it is that's word what we of, should say word of mouth word of mouth it is okay thanks for coming with us on this journey we'll be back for one more episode the question and answer episode so send them in to us we will see you soon see you soon bye bye <laughs>